Well, speaking of competition, uh, in our travel and tourism segment today, we want to focus on the sport of sailing and how it can open opportunities to see the world from a new perspective. It's actually a really exciting time to follow sailing right now. Uh, for one thing, we have the Volvo Ocean Race boats uh, arriving in Cape Town Harbour. For another, South African Kirsten Neuschaffer is continuing to hold the lead in the Golden Globe round the world race. Uh, meanwhile, we are all enjoying the afterglow of this year's Cape to Rio event, which came to an end earlier this month, 50th edition of the event, and it was peppered with several remarkable achievements, not the least of those being the winner, Adrian Cuttle, who single-handedly sailed to victory in just over 21 and a half days. But the story that I want to share with you today is, I think, equally remarkable. At the start of this event in January, you might recall, we waved off a boat called the Alex Forbes Archangel. On board a very young crew, they had an average age of 25. In fact, that made them the youngest boat competing in this race. And the other thing that was unusual about them was that the entire crew came from previously disadvantaged backgrounds. Uh, they came from areas like Masipumalele, Kailicha, Grassy Park. These five young sailors had all come through the Royal Cape uh, Yacht Club Sailing Academy, which was set up in 2012 to try and make the sport of sailing more inclusive and to expose more youngsters from varied backgrounds to its possibilities. And off we waved them, never realizing just what they were going to do. Because based on handicap, the Archangel was placed third in the Cape to Rio, a podium finish that nobody saw coming. And uh, I don't even know if the crew are actually down to earth yet. I have two of them with me in studio today. The other three are actually sailing the boat back to Cape Town as we speak. It is congratulations and the warmest of welcomes to Sibusiso Sisatu, who captained the boat, and Azile Arossi, who was the only female member of the crew, I'm told. Welcome. Congratulations. Thank you so much for joining us today. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. Thank you for having us. Sibusiso, I mean, what kind of preparation went into Cape to Rio? You don't just hop on a boat and sail across the Atlantic Ocean. It was many <laughs> months of work, wasn't it? Um, so he, the dream took us over five years. Yeah. Um, and then the sponsor, we got it within six months to go. But the preparation took us quite a long time to yep. get where we are, actually. Yeah. And did you realize when you set off that you might do this well? Or did you simply hope you were going to finish the race? I mean, did you ever in your wildest dreams imagine you'd be standing on the podium? So the, I mean, our, our goal and dream was to get to the finish line. We didn't expect to get anything as it was our first attempt for doing our Cape to Rio. Yeah. So we didn't expect to be in a podium. So for us to be in a podium, that was like something extra for us. We didn't expect that. Like first time crossing the ocean, there, you are, there we are in a podium. Yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> How did you actually get into the sport of sailing in the first place? So I came through the, uh, the sport of sailing through friends from yep. my uh, primary school uh, back in the township where they took me into Salmonstown. There's a, a foundation there called Sivungu Vungu. So that's yep. where I started sailing. Okay. And yeah. what about you, Azile? How did you get started in the sport? Uh, okay. I started uh, sailing Back in 2016, when yeah. a lady called Susindim introduced me to the sailing industry, yeah. I joined her. She has her own academy back in Kailicha that uh, helps uh, students with um, Saturday classes. She helps with whatever you need. So when I joined her academy, which is a Makabine Education Academy, she happened to know someone in the sailing industry. Um, so maybe they talked about bringing more kids from the disadvantaged areas. So when she explained to me, she said it's a water sport. Uh, I decided to join because she said it's a water sport. What was it about water sports that you loved? I just like water. I don't care what type of sport is it, as long as 
I, I, it's on the water. So the only reason for me to join, she said it's a water sport, so I like water. That's why I'm I there for it. Okay. <laughs> Having said that, there, there, there are no major bodies of water in the middle of Kailicha that I'm aware of. How? I mean, it's not an easy thing to have to travel a long distance to get to a place to sail. It's an expensive sport. The boats are expensive. Not everybody has access to that kind of opportunity. It must have taken quite a lot of commitment of your time alone to, to, to really get involved in the sport. Oh, yes. Um, the academy itself um, requires us to be like more involved because uh, we don't pay for anything. They pay for everything. You yep. just need to show up whenever they need you. You just need to show up. So for the Cape to Rio, when the sponsor, the Alex Forbes sponsorship came on board, um, we had to be like... It takes quite a lot of time, but we understand because they spend a lot of money to mm. us on this campaign. So whenever they say we need we need you there, we just need to be there. Be committed. Show them that you want to do this. So yeah, it's just an amazing thing. Sibu, I know it wasn't an easy trip. Uh, the first couple of weeks, I understand, went quite well, but particularly your third week out there, you guys had quite a lot of difficulties. I know there were sails breaking, you had a leak on the boat, and then probably the biggest challenge, the loss of battery power, which meant you couldn't charge all kinds of things on the boat. And I understand that particularly made it difficult for you to know what the weather conditions were doing. Is that correct? Yeah, so um, off the start, everything started very well. Um, we went slightly north and uh, most of the fleet went west. And then on the third day, and then one of our best kite, the spinnaker, failed on us. And we had to sell the chip because the wind was quite strong as well. Yeah. And then on, once we passed, uh, passed the Greenwich Meridian, uh, we started having uh, battery issues. And it was a bit us, actually, it was a bit of our fault because we we didn't keep watch on the batteries where we need to charge every day for right. an hour. So we, we just uh, we were just a bit lazy to go <laughs> watch and we couldn't start the engine. And during the day, we couldn't use the instrument. So we, we had to go to the olden days, uh, chart plotters. Mm. Um, but luckily, everyone on the boat, they have days keeper. Only me and the first mate, the yacht master offshore. But the guys on the boat, they were well, like, got wealth of uh, wealthy of uh, information about how to do the chart work. Yep. Um, a few days, uh, I think three, four days, we had some rough weathers, and then we started catching water, and then you can see the team getting tired. Uh, uh, we, I mean, like the team that I had, they were very amazing. I mean, like, for the first time to go out there, and then we start losing it a bit because we not, never faced this kind of thing for four days. You have a, mm. a leaking roof there and there. But the team was pretty amazing. We pushed it through, and it went all the way, and the boat got there safely, and everyone was happy at the end got there safely and got there 24 minutes, I think, ahead of your next competitor. I believe it came down to some really quite sharp racing on that final day. I mean, at what point did you realize that a possible podium finish was in sight? Uh, I think it was about a day before Yeah. when you got the update, because every day we need to send an update so that the uh, race management can update uh, the, the, the fans or yeah. the followers where we are in standing. So when you got the update and we look at the nautical miles and we look at the time, then then the, our manager said, guys, you might have a bit of a chance of being in a podium here. Hmm. We don't know if it's either second or third. Sure. So that's when everyone, like everyone, we were getting tired during the day. You find guys sleeping off their shift. But on that day, no, no one was sleeping through, uh, through the night, uh, like just pushing the boat all the way. Uh, and then... Uh, 
closer to Rio, closer to Rio, I think it was about eight hours. We heard that there's one of the boat organat, yeah, uh, close by next to us. We, then we have a chance of beating that boat, and the boat is about 50 foot long, and we're 35. Sure. So for us to beat that boat, we're like, okay, we've done very good. We've done a, like an amazing job. So it was all goosebumps and happiness on the boat all the way, the last bit. Azile, can you talk to us? I mean, what was going through your head when you first spotted the lights of Rio in the distance and you knew not only had you reached the goal of finishing the race, but that you were going to do it better than anybody imagined you might? What did it feel like? So I think a day before we got to, uh, to the finish line, we saw the lights of the oil rigs. I, oh, I, we, but they, they, there was a, oh, them. I'm sorry, they, the first mate, it was his third time doing the race. So yeah. he kept telling us about the oil rigs and we didn't see the oil rigs like for days because he told us that we're going to see the oil rigs like three days before and we kept looking for the oil rigs. <laughs> they were nowhere to be found. So a, a, a day before to, we got to the finish line, we finally saw the, the lights of the oil rigs. We were so I was so excited because at least finally there's something that is giving us hope that we're getting there because all the way we felt like Rio is just pulling away. A lot <laughs> was just happening and then we were so tired. So finally when I saw those lights and the land, I was I got all my energy back, forgot the fact that that I was tired like mm. of the race of everything that was happening I just got all my exciting ex- excitement back I just couldn't wait to get to the finish line just for those who've tuned in late to this interview with me in studio are Sibusiso Sisatu and Azile Arosi from the crew of the Archangel, the Alexander Forbes sponsored boat, which has just finished third in this year's Cape to Rio race. Crewed entirely by sailors who have come through a development program at the Royal Cape Yacht Club Sailing Academy. They are all from previously disadvantaged areas. They were the youngest crew taking part in this race with an average age of 25. I think your youngest crew member was only 21 years old. Sibu, is that correct? Yes. 20. Yeah, and you're 21. only 22, aren't 22, you? Yes. So, I mean, an amazing, amazing achievement uh, for anybody, let alone for the youngest boat in the race, um, w- with with sailors for whom this was a, an absolute dream come true. Azila, as the only woman on the boat, were there particular challenges that you faced? Did you just have to be patient with the men? How was it? Um, no, I was like, <laughs> the, we got a, a, like a heads, the toilets, but on the boat, we call it the heads. Yep. So on the heads, you got a, something like a curtain that you just close it if you want, you f- if you want privacy. Yep. So whenever I need to do something, I just go to the heads, close the curtain. When I close the curtain, they know that I'm there, so they can't come in there. So I didn't have any issues. So it was like, it was all nice because I've known the guys for like more than two years. So yeah. it was just like, just it was just a smooth ride. So Okay, but I'm you so were able to, to find a little corner of privacy if you needed it. Okay. Yes. I mean, how does it feel as particularly a young black woman from a township background to have not just finished one of the most challenging races there is, but to have done so as successfully as you've done? Do you feel, I mean, I know I can see you beaming with pride for the personal achievement, but what about the sense of... of what this means to other young women in particular, looking at you and knowing it can be done, uh, you must be very proud of that. I'm so proud. Um, I'm, in fact, I'm honoured to like to be where I am now, especially the young girls at the academy. They're so proud of me. They look up to me. But back in the townships, they know nothing about the sport, so there's nothing that I can really say about it because... They're so uninformed about the sport. I don't blame them because I was so I was also uninformed about the sport. If the lady, which is the Cindy, didn't tell me about sailing, even today, I wouldn't even know if this mm. world uh, does exist. So where I come from, they got no knowledge about what I'm doing. But the only people that are so proud of me are the ones that I'm sailing with at the academy. I just wish that um, maybe government can do more to bring more 
girls from disadvantaged areas to to the sport because the sport needs like funding to go mm. to go forward without funding there's nothing you can do because the sailing world is so expensive everything is just so expensive yeah so without funding there's nothing you can do even at the academy we do have a lot of students but if we can have like more funding we can maybe add more students to the 40 that we have so Okay, yeah. so 40 students at the moment. And I mean, Sibasi, so there's a huge opportunity for the two of you and for your crewmates. And let's just give them a mention, please, to Daniel Agalas, Ronaldo Mahale and Justin Peters, who were also part of this achievement. Obviously, you become ambassadors for the sport. You can go back into your communities and tell people what you've done and what you've experienced. But it's it's one conversation at a time um, to build that kind of momentum. I mean, do you envisage a day, you know, how, how far away do you think it is, Sibusisa, where maybe there's a crew stocked in, a, crew, a, a boat crewed entirely by young um, young black women, for example, sailing in this race? Do you think we're far away from that point still? Um, so at the academy, we have quite a few ladies. There's about yep. 25 ladies. Um, so in, in the ladies... They've been sailing together for almost three, four years. So if they start training now, because the next year is in 2025, so we've only got yep. one year to spare. So if they start training now, I think they've got a chance because uh, from the year they started grouping together as a team, uh, look at the results that they had almost uh, the whole 12 months they've been on the podium. So for me, that's a good sign. Even myself, when I started sailing, I didn't be in the podium for the whole 12 months. I was yeah. sometimes off the podium. So I really think for the young ladies uh, at the academy and more ladies to come, they, they we can have a team, like a full team of ladies taking the part. It doesn't have to be Cape to Rio. There's another race slightly uh, shorter than that. It's called Cape to St. Helena. Mm. Uh, so I would think that might be a good start to see if someone really wants to, the ladies really want to do this kind of a race. So I really believe that there is a good chance to empower their ladies or the women to be out there and have this kind of a journey. Spoken as the seasoned skipper of the Archangel, um, Azilia, I mean, what when you listen to that, you hear the votes of confidence saying, I believe it can be done. Do you have the dream of being the skipper of that crew one day? Yes, actually, when we came back from this race, he said his dream is to like have um, a ladies race, like um, like 100% crew ladies from the yep. academy or maybe at least 90% of ladies and like 10% of the guys the vice versa of what happened now because it was I was the only lady maybe yep. next he said he wants to have like maybe next time like a boat where there's only girls or only one guy and then 90% ladies so I believe it, it can happen but it might take a bit of some time but it, it can happen and I'm glad uh, that our skipper like uh, our head coach believes in us I'm very glad and We'll keep pushing, we'll get there. One day we will get there. Well, you've certainly taken a giant step forward and I don't know if you if it's sunk in yet, the role of ambassadors for the sport that now rests on your shoulder because of what you've achieved. Uh, congratulations to both of you and to your three crewmates who I know are busy sailing the boat back to Cape Town. I hope they'll give you a really resounding welcome into the harbour when, when the boat gets back and some kind of celebration because you have earned it and you really deserve it. Thank you both so much for coming into studio to share the excitement of your achievement with us. It's been great to have you with us. Okay, thank you very much. Thank and good luck for the next one. And Azilia, <laughs> I look forward to the conversation with you when the all-ladies crew finishes the Cape Rio one day. You have been listening to Sibusiso Sizatu, captain of the Alex Forbes Archangel, and Azilia Arossi, the only female member of the crew, finishing in third place in this year's Cape Rio race.